it's not that we don't suck. It's that we just, we suck less than everybody else. That's why we're better. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, you know, anybody who's ever uh, dealt with me feels like I'm a hard ass, but uh, the gist of it is I hold people accountable. uh, And um, when people give me an expectation, I hold them to that expectation. It's not that, you know, I'm tough on people. It's that I allow people to set expectations and they get upset when I hold them to that expectation. Like, on, okay, well, maybe. On October 15th, on our call, <laughs> at two o'clock, you said that you were going to deliver a 99.99% SLA uptime, which means that if you don't deliver that, that I would be held to this. And you also said that you were going to assign a project manager to me and that that person would, be, would have a 24-hour turnaround time. I've got f- two outages and five emails here that went for three days not being answered. How do you explain yourself? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not personal, you know, it's, it's not like I'm attacking people to say, Hey, you know, you in particular, you're terrible. Sure. There are some people who are bad at their jobs, but. That deserve to be attacked. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it. Like, no, no, no. I'm people, just, we're talking real. A lot of times you see, yeah. I'm glad that we're having this conversation already before even really talking about whether we're going to do a show or not. Maybe this will just turn <laughs> in, maybe this will just turn into that show, you know, but sure. the, that's the point. We're talking real, right? A lot of times on LinkedIn and these, I guess the business world platform is everyone's talking in fake advertising. I don't know. It's like, uh, I don't know. Gartner. Everybody's playing politics in public. Yeah. You know, let's be is. real because then when we talk normal one-on-one, we say, come on, man. Like, you know, like it'd be much more entertaining. My life would be a lot better. This social media platform would be a lot better if we just, Spoke real. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so I'm, uh, it's tough on people, <laughs> expectations. Um, not that you're terrible at your job, but maybe you are. Um, it might not be you. We're leaving that up for leaving, leaving that up for, uh, so why don't you just, uh, let's just do an introduction. Let's just do an introduction sure. now. Tell me about, you know, who you are, what you do, who are we speaking with? I don't want to mispronounce any of your names. So I'm just going to let you introduce yourself. Uh, so my name is Chai Hang. I'm currently the senior director of IT for Chapter Aesthetic Studio, uh, which is a subsidiary of Aspen Dental. Um, I just accepted this position in October. Um, I left a, a position with a biomedical tech company uh, in uh, the Novi, Michigan area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this opportunity is just uh, you know, a better fit. Um, is that because you can stuff. fix teeth that have been kicked in? <laughs> well, so uh, Aspen Dental works with uh, the dental side of things, but they're they're kind of like a conglomerate. So they, they own multiple uh, business units mm-hmm. and those entities uh, operate uh, in different um, uh, sectors. Uh, like uh, Aspen Dental is the primary uh, service, but they also have uh, a ton of uh, urgent cares. And mm-hmm. they also have like uh, an Invisalign practice. And then they also have uh, this new practice uh, for aesthetics or like... Mm-hmm. In layman's term, it's a it's a beauty uh, clinic. 
Botox. I've been looking to get Botox, by the way. I'm being honest with everyone. I, everyone wants to know. <laughs> everyone wants to know. I am, I am very truthful. There's, there's not much that Phil Howard doesn't hide on uh, dissecting popular IT nerds. For example, um, I do take steroids. I am a proponent of that. I am over four. I'm, I do. I'm 44 years old. I'm on testosterone replacement therapy. So I can say that I take steroids. Okay. And everyone sure. can have it. Okay. So totally legal, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'm down with Botox for a couple of reasons, even though I haven't had it done yet. And I hear that there's like some side effects. Who cares? Um, there's, I've seen the results and it's actually quite amazing. I mean, it's not permanent. I wish it was. Maybe I'm looking at your website right now. Maybe I can get skin tight. I should get skin tightening in Halo Hybrid. Sounds good. I'm serious. I'm not joking around, but, um, well, you know. So it's interesting you say that, you know, the, so the, the aesthetics market is uh, mostly driven by women. Uh, I was uh, in a business meeting uh, not too long ago and they were indicating over 70% of the beauty industry is patronized by by women, uh-huh. um, and they want to expand that market to include oh, more man. men. Oh man, I would be perfect for them. You yeah. should you yeah. should forward my picture, my LinkedIn profile <laughs> to them. You like this guy actually is a proponent for you guys. Look at him; he's a mess. He needs. We're, we're always looking for new ways to like market <laughs> the products to to men as well, and uh, it, it's an interesting topic. Uh, I will dye my beard. I will dye my beard. <laughs> I will get Botox. I am. You know, you can make me look younger. I'm down. Sure. Sure. Um. And I'm probably like the you know I you know I I would I'm manly enough okay that I'm okay with everyone making fun of me for it as well like I'm <laughs> totally I'm completely secure. It just means with this. you're you're comfortable in your identity. Yes, that I want to change and make look different. <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to be an IT show, but it's turned into uh, steroids and um, let's see Botox. This is great. <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, you have a certification. C I S S P, um, I till, um, okay, cool. You've already said something really awesome, which is you hold people accountable, anyways. Which tells me that you're more than just a dude that hides in a theoretical, now metaphorical server closet that sits in Amazon. Will people's you know slide pizzas under the door to you, which they would now <laughs> do with? Uh, I guess we'd have to like Grubhub it to you. Okay. Um, Anywho, tell me, certifications, do they matter? Uh, it depends on the industry and it depends on the management team. Like uh, it. So, Perfect answer. Uh, wow, you're getting like an A plus on everything so far. Depends. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, certain industries that are heavily regulated, the certification does matter hmm. because the certification is your, your proof point to say, this person has the credentials um, uh, that allow them. He to knows be enough, right? Matter expert. Yeah, he right. knows enough to so not be stupid. On, at least on paper, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but your certifications don't mean anything if you don't have the expertise to back it up. Because you can get a certification by memorizing uh, sentences and test answers and and questions and and filling out a form. Uh, but you could also ace an exam because you are very familiar with the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, for me, I take um, all certifications with a grain of salt. Um, on the one hand, individuals without the experience to back up their certifications, um, it, it's harder to believe that the certifications have weight behind them. But at the same time, 
uh, individuals who end up working for me, I push them to get certifications on a specific knowledge track because uh, that's the only way they're going to get experience on something that is not a standard uh, uh, knowledge uh, lane that we work with. You know, for example, if if my company does a lot of VMware work uh, and I want an individual to get some experience outside of VMware, like with the uh, with Zen server or Citrix or um, uh, even uh, Hyper-V. But mm. none of those have any significant impact to what we do. But in the grand scheme of things, it does because it helps us understand architecture better. It helps us understand mm. where our products are weak. It understands uh, what we can do to improve uh, yeah. certain areas, right? Mm. Um, it's a lot like martial arts. If you only practice one style of martial arts, uh, you would be very proficient at it, but if you measured that against another martial art, you would be terrible. Oh because, my, you're blowing uh, my mind right now. I'm not <laughs> kidding you. You're blowing my mind. Uh, first of all, jujitsu is the best. Now you can talk about <laughs> martial arts. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so I'll put jujitsu uh, yeah, up gonna... against anything. I don't <laughs> care. I'll, and you can throw me in the ring with it too, and then I'll get the Botox after. Yeah, jujitsu is a strong martial art. I, I will give it props. You, you don't want to take on this. You don't want to take on this debate, do you? <laughs> okay, next subject. Well, so, <laughs> yeah, keep going. I, I have my I have my opinions, and no, but keep uh, going. So it's like martial arts. It's like martial arts. You do need to be well rounded. If we go into the MMA and we can look at it, and we could actually break it down that way, and we could look at well, jujitsu yeah, yeah. used to be better, but now it's a mix of jujitsu and Muay Thai and uh, conditioning and diet and numerous other things that come into play. Um, it's, so the the long. The long and short of it is, if you're supposed to be an expert in a wide variety of topics, mm -hmm. you will never get there if you are only an expert in one of those topics, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, being, a, being an IT expert means you have to be a master of everything. Mm -hmm. um, so if you only know Citrix, well, Citrix is not everything. Citrix is a huge knowledge area, but that's not everything. VMware is a huge knowledge area but it's not everything. You, you have to get well-rounded. And not just like the, the various uh, technologies that are related, like virtualization technologies, but uh, storage and compute, all those tie in too, because uh, you're building, like if you're working in a virtualized environment, you're building systems for a particular purpose, right? And if that purpose is AI, well, you also have to know about GPUs. Well, if you're working with AI and GPUs, you also need to understand storage because you need high-performance disks. And if you're working with a lot of data, sometimes you have to work with large data tables. Uh, so you have to get used to like data lakes and data warehousing and all, all the magic that comes with uh, databases. Right? This is beautiful. So it's beautiful. You can't just say, I, I want to master this one little area uh, or this cup of water in this ocean of knowledge. Let me ask you this though. Here's a tough one, uh, and because this is in almost diametric like opposition, if that's a word, sure. Um, to the show that I recorded just prior to this, um, because there. Are, let me put it this way: if you had to pick one skill, one area only, only one, but you could hire as many people as you want. What would that one area be? 
a technical skill or a general skill? I have now made you uh, a CTO, CIO, whatever you want to call. Well, that's another debate. But you're the you're the head technology, whatever for twenty five billion dollar company. What's the one? What's the one skill that you need the most? So, um, assuming that it's kind uh, of a trick question. Technology does, yeah. Assuming that the technology doesn't matter, uh, the the most important skill that an individual can bring uh, to the table is their critical thinking skills. Um, most problems are critical thinking challenges, and uh, your critical thinking will lead you to uh, weird solutions that are. Uh, beautiful, unique, stupid, quick, fast, expensive, whatever. But if you if you can't digest the various pieces of information that's given to you, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how quick you are. It doesn't matter if you've been with the company for 30 or 40 years. Mm. If you don't know how to digest the information mm. that's given to you, you will never go anywhere. You may have just and, trumped you may have just trumped everything that this show has ever been about. <laughs> so here, here's a here's a great example of uh, critical thinking. So in all of my interview processes with every potential candidate, I like to ask them a simple question. I would love this. Okay, great. Ask me it. I would love to hear this. Can I be a? Can I be like a dummy on this one here? Hopefully not a dummy, but anyways, go. Uh, so uh, I like to ask them uh, a simple question. Well, I guess it's 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 technically uh, three questions that are tied, but they're based off the same concept. Yeah. The, the question I would ask is, I want to buy a computer. What would you get me? And as soon as I ask that question, you can tell that people have assumptions, that people have these preferences, and they will tell you what their preferences and assumptions are. The, the people who are inexperienced will tell you right off the bat exactly what they want. Like, well, if you want a computer, oh, man, you should get this uh, Ryzen uh, Epic 5500 with 64 cores and two terabytes of RAM with an NVMe hard drive. Okay. Oh, my gosh, so wrong. Uh, why? I mean, you don't even know what I'm going to use this computer for. Exactly. You don't even know what my budget is, right? Exactly. So why did you just recommend all those things? Mm. Or the opposite is true. The individual uh, is so focused on like processes that they don't understand the question. Uh-huh. Like, okay, well, uh, did it get approval? Like, let's assume that there is approval. Okay. Uh, what do you want? Okay. Well, no, I, I can answer <laughs> some of your questions, uh-huh. but you have to tell me what you would get me. Like, okay, well, let's play this through. Uh, what what do you want to do with this computer? Th- those are the questions you want to ask. Yeah, I would be asking, so what, what's what your job? What do you do you? every what's day? job title? Yeah. yeah. So what do you so, do? Like, if, if you have somebody that's willing to answer unasked questions and make all these assumptions, uh, it's highly likely that that's the same behavior you will see in a real-world situation. I am they absolutely... This is great. This is so- yeah, they'll take assumptions into play and then... Yeah. Uh, you'll be a doctor. Like, what if you went into the doctor's office and he just made an assumption? He just started making assumptions. What if he didn't ask questions? What if he didn't do his needs assessment? Yeah, I mean, 
back in the back in the what the 1800s, you would go to the doctor. The doctor would look at you and say, "Yeah, you got this disease." Well, how would you know? You didn't do any tests. You didn't you didn't check anything. Let me you let me run blood work. Let me ask disease. you, how do you feel? How do you feel this? What do you do this? Yeah, like you said, like what do you do? What if it's just a sales guy? All he does is check email. I really only need the computer yeah. to do email and throw out some quotes. I need to do a PowerPoint and, presentation. And then you know, on top of the uh, what kind of computer you, uh, would you get me question. The, the question that pisses off most of my candidates is, okay, I've purchased this computer that you told me you were going to get me. Now I'm having this problem. What Sweet. The, what's the problem? problem? What, what's the yeah. problem? And it, so this is a trick question. It's, it's not about the problem itself. It's about whether or not you understand the troubleshooting process. It's whether or not you know how to collect information. And it's whether or not you know how to communicate with an individual. And, you know, I'm not trying to be difficult on purpose when I'm having these conversations with candidates. But like, okay, well, uh, I just told you I have a problem with this computer. And the first thing you told me to do is click my mouse. How do you even know that my mouse works? How do you even know I have a mouse? How do you even know that I have a monitor? <laughs> Like you didn't, you don't know anything about what we just talked about. You're making all these extra assumptions. So you're the guy that wrote all those scripts that when I call into uh, 1-800-GO-POUND-SAND, <laughs> option two, no, option three, option five, option six, option seven, is the computer on? <laughs> so, so the, the whole. Do you so see the guy with the penguin to, on yeah. his desk? Do you see the, the one with the penguin on his desk? <laughs> Transfer me to them. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I totally understand that sentiment from a from an end user standpoint. You know, yes. you're you're real frustrated. You're calling uh, a company like Comcast and trying to get technical support because your internet's down for whatever reason. And yeah, I reset Comcast my router for like the last thirty yep. years. Has been notorious for terrible customer service, right? So yes. th they have a script because not all of their engineers, uh, or at least their engineers, level triage. Well, yes. they're triage people. Yes, yes. Not all their triage people. We call them butts in the seat. Technical. We call them butts yeah. in the seat in my world. Um, and they follow a script because uh, a they we don't, don't pay them enough. You have at home, and b we don't pay them enough. They, you, so you, they, they pay seventy bucks an hour. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> we need to pay the project managers more money too, because when they clock out at five o'clock, you know, and they're dealing with a multi, possibly potentially billion dollar company, you know, you don't pay that project manager enough. Um, or the boss of the, or the project manager's boss, or all of them anyways. We're going to have this guy, Art Garrow, by the way, whom you may want to connect with. Um, we're going to have him on the show. He used to be the um, director of operations for Windstream. I'm sure you've run into them before in a life or whatever, yep. but he talks about, I mean, we're going to talk about this very thing. This is fascinating. Critical thinking. Who would have thought, you know, like back when you're in college and they tell you, you know, Tell them you're good at critical thinking on your interview. Or, you know, put critical thinking on your resume. <laughs> critical thinker. Well, the, the, the best thing about putting critical thinking on your resume is people can easily call you out on it. And it, it just, you don't have to ask like a, a sinister question to even root it out. Like I could ask a simple question like, uh, um, what, what makes the color blue, blue? Like, I, here's how I would answer all your questions. This is great because I would like fire right back. You would like, okay, well, first, before I will answer your question, but before I ask that question, why are you asking me that question? <laughs> so the, the gist of it is I, I want to understand your thinking process. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to know that if, if, if you and I have an exchange, that we are close enough into the thinking process that later down the line, 
you know exactly what I want before I say it. Mm. Like, yes, uh, there are a lot of situations where you will have an assumption. Mm-hmm. But the, the problem is making sure that your assumption is correct. Now, if we were working together uh, for a, a period of time and you got to understanding my line of thinking and eventually you understood why I make certain assumptions and you, now you're able to successfully make the same assumptions, we can work together very quickly and smoothly. But if you're making assumptions and they're way off base from what my assumptions are, it means we have different level under, of understanding of the topic at hand. And when there's a disparity between that, it means there's a lot more communication that has to happen to be able to get on the same page. If, if I'm reading from the Quran and you're reading from the Bible and like 30% of it is the same, but the 70% isn't, we're going to be arguing about that 70% until the end of our days, right? But if we're reading the dictionary, the Webster, Miriam's Webster Dictionary, the 1999 edition, if we're reading from that same dictionary, everything we say is exactly the same to each other. So if you say, I want to do uh, page 35, I understand what page 35 is. I have the same playbook. Mm. I have a business that you and I can start and I'm pretty sure we're going to be like millionaires. Um, <laughs> if you ever want to do a side business, it's called relationship coaching. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> it's gonna be, we're just, maybe we can make an app for it, you know, and like the, the app will be the same. So they're both working from the same app, right? And the app will be like a relationship coaching app. Someone's going to rob this. I know this right now because this sounds amazing. We're going to have a relationship app because we got two people that are different. They're they're not communicating properly. This is why there's issues. So we're going to give them each the same app and the app is going to guide them together if that's possible. You never know. Or it's going to guide them apart. At the end of it, it's going to be like, you guys are totally incompatible. Um, (laughs) Just just, forget about it. I don't want to be a nitpicker, but uh, (laughs) human relationships is is a nightmare to navigate. And Thank uh, you. The the metrics that one person may have are going to differ uh, from individual to individual and from even the time of day sometimes. Uh, And they they can vary very widely. So, whatever you and I agree to as our uh, performance metrics for our relationship uh, Mm -hmm. right now uh, may be agreed upon, but tomorrow it may be different because our needs have changed. Right. Wow. We need to set the right expectations. Yeah. Yeah, I took this course in college. I forget what the title was, but it was basically um, the, the importance of uh, being on the same page uh, in a relationship and the various stages of those relationships, right? So, like, uh, if if you want to have a more intimate relationship with somebody, not just, like, physically intimate or emotionally intimate, like, all levels of intimate, you want to get to know someone better. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it's a, it, uh, it is a formula that includes the number of uh, times you guys communicate versus the depth of the, of the conversation mm-hmm. and the the emotional bonding behind some of the, the yeah, experiences that you share, right? This is amazing. And, uh, we're effectively, when we go into a work environment, uh-huh. we're trying to do that, but at high speed. And, you know, sometimes emotions get in the way and sometimes frustrations come out. So, uh, uh, interpersonal communication, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> so, uh, I highly recommend anybody who's interested in like improving relationships, yep. study up on interpersonal communication and, uh, learn what it means 
to build a relationship because uh, a lot of what we do uh, in the workplace is navigating relationships uh, and, and the politics behind them. And, yeah. and just so you know, that was there. the answer I was looking for. You failed my interview. I'm just letting you know. You said critical <laughs> thinking. You said critical thinking, but I was thinking in my head, if you had to pick one thing, it would be leadership slash around that interpersonal communication. That to me is the most see, important the, thing. See, the, there was a study done. Um, and I think it, I, I don't want to misattribute this uh, study to the wrong university, mm-hmm. but there was a study done um, about leadership and they determined that uh, over 30% of successful leaders don't actually have any formal training in leadership training. So technically speaking, you can pick someone randomly from the street, give them a set of scenarios, and they would perform just as effectively as somebody who's actually informally trained as a leader. Okay, so what do you mean? So what, what, what's your point? My, my point is... Your, your point you is critical thinking lead. trumps it, Phil. <laughs> yes, critical <laughs> thinking trumps leadership, leadership skills. <laughs> leadership is... Leadership is a funny term, right? Uh, a lot of people ascribe uh, different uh, personality traits to what a good leader is. But at the end of the day, a, a leader is effectively somebody who just takes responsibility. And uh, if, <laughs> if you have an individual who has a good sense of responsibility, that's great. They can do an equivalent job to somebody who has got like 30 years of training. But what will set them apart is the one leader who is better at critical thinking than the other. Because otherwise, you're relying on luck or you're relying on privilege of whatever kind that's available. Boom. Fried. Roasted. (laughs) (laughs) Roasted. I mean, seriously. But what about interpersonal abilities? Like, not everyone has that. What if, I mean, I'm just saying, what if leadership, we cross that out and we just put interpersonal relationship builder? Like, the number one best relationship builder, bridging the gaps, bringing operations and sales and IT and the, the, the communication from the top, top down all in one. Does it matter? Well, I can argue that, uh, and there are plenty of people who can relate to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have the nicest guy in the room be yep. your leader, uh-huh. but that, that same person, the qualities that make them a nice guy are also the same qualities that make them a terrible leader. Damn, it's so true. And I have worked with I have worked with plenty of VPs who were the nicest guy that you ever met. You would go oh. bowling with them. You would go to the movies. You would go to the their beach houses with them. But you would never want to work with them face to face because they're terrible at their job. Well, you wouldn't and want they, to invest your money in them. Let's just put it that sure. way. Sure. Roasted I, I, I again. With VPs who who have uh, squandered millions of dollars on engineering projects. And have delayed delivery on projects for years on end, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the reason why is because they don't have the experience and they don't have the critical thinking capabilities. So mm-hmm. would I prefer a charismatic uh, interpersonal communicator over a critical thinker? I don't think so. I think that you would have to measure the person as a whole. And if I'm equating their capabilities down to one skill set, I would choose critical thinker over interpersonal. You're making me feel so much better about myself. It's amazing. I'm not, I'm serious because I'm not, not the interpersonal relationship guy. Although maybe some people say I am, I do, I am able to know, I I do believe I'm a good critical thinker because I'm, I I am able to answer all the things that my wife wants to do. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what I mean? to say like uh, there aren't pitfalls to being uh, absorbed in the whole uh, one skill set, right? Because yeah, like you get, like here's what happens. Here's what happens. You get you be, you grow a very successful company, or like what, what's the video game company? Why can't I say Warcraft guys? What's wrong with me? Why can't I think of it off the top of my head? Blizzard. Yeah, Blizzard. Like, like, is it any surprise that they're successful and don't have interpersonal skills, and the, the company's like failing due to like sexual harassment and everything? Like, there's your example. Great critical thinkers didn't care too much about interpersonal, like you know. Yeah, but that's not you're 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 extrapolating beyond the one skill set though, because you're you're saying, oh yeah, well, I'm know, just I'm just business. like I'm, it's a simple example. I'm not like going sure, there. but <laughs> if we're measuring against like the the male toxicity, sure. If if you're measuring that based off of their success based off male toxicity, sure, they fail on that aspect, but. If you're talking about Blizzard being a very successful company, yes, I argue that they are a pretty successful company. They That's have, what I'm saying. You know, That's exactly what have, I'm saying. That's exactly. I agree with you 100%. I agree with you 100%. All of them. I agree with you. I'm blown yeah. away. You're 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 breaking down, you're deconstructing this show or the th- idea that, you know, IT leadership's the most important thing, but really it's no, a critical think critical thinking as an IT leadership and how you apply that to a digital transformation and make the company successful. Yeah. Is that, like, is that true? I mean, is, am, I, am I understanding that correctly? Because there's a lot of companies out there that are doing very, very well, but they're screwed up on, you know, from the standpoint of, like you just said, but they're successful. Yeah, well, I have a lot of concerns about how some companies get successful, but that's a different story. Uh, well, that sounds general, like another show. Okay. <laughs> uh, in general, you know, if we distill everything down to just the one skill set, uh-huh. uh, yes, you, the critical thinking aspect plays a significant role. Um, there are very few companies out there that uh, their their sole reason for being successful is based off of their interpersonal communications. Like you would have to be um, a um, a sales-based company, and that's all you did was generate sales. If your job was only to generate a sale, mm-hmm. you don't need critical thinking for that. You need charisma. Uh, Tony uh, Robbins Incorporated, something like that. Right. But, okay. but He's got charisma. Tech, yeah. He's got the sales skills. If you're a tech company, you need, you need a combination of uh, critical thinking plus charisma because, uh, let's be honest, most tech people... They sacrifice that interpersonal skill set for their their technical skill sets, and that's why all these stereotypes exist about uh, the IT guy sitting <laughs> in a dark room, you know, <laughs> pulling away at their goatee. Right? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I am not a traditional IT person. I I came up through the ranks in IT by accident, and I only succeeded because I'm good at what I do. Uh, I started out. Uh, my traditional education was pre med. And I, I jumped around. So I, was I. I. I tried business. I tried physics. I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I, I tried a lot of different uh, areas in college before I settled on IT. And, and the only reason I settled on IT was because I could sleep through all my classes. <laughs> so, uh, uh, we're more do, alike do, do than, you think, ima- than you can imagine. <laughs> do, do I think that hated uh, school? You know, <laughs> IT requires a lot of skill sets. Yes, but it, that's not the reason why. Uh, you know, companies succeed alone. But right? that's a common theme. Have... That's a common theme. I've interviewed tons of IT guys. It's a very common theme. I wasn't in IT. Never had a computer. 
I was actually a dropout from here, but you know, and I was got a job at the help desk and I don't know, I was good at talking with people and solving problems or whatever. And there you go. Now I'm in the leadership position and I still don't know how yeah. to program or do any of this. I mean, if, if you're talking about like how to be successful uh, in IT leadership, yeah, the charisma plays a significant role in how far you go up in your career. Uh, but you can't sacrifice the, the critical thinking component. No, no, they have it. They, yeah. That's got to be the number one thing because they yeah. have it and they can they can form solutions to problems at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you uh, over the last 20 years, uh, I have discovered that people move up in their career for four reasons. Uh, number one, uh, they're terrible at their job. <laughs> number two, they're great at their job. Uh, number three, they know somebody. Yeah. Uh, uh, and number four, somebody mistakes that person for being good at their job. And so, what about it, they made the company money? That rarely ever works out for anybody. Why? Yeah. So here's a here's a true story. Because they get jealous and they get fired or something no, like it's, that. It's it's not about jealousy. It, it's about power. The the executives value. Huh. So. If, if you are not a, an individual who um, professes what the company values, mm-hmm. then you're never going to move up in your career at that company. Mm-hmm. So if the company values like this bro style relationship, if you're not a bro, you're not going to go anywhere in that management team. If you are of like this, uh, this other like, uh, yeah. let, let's work hard. Let's play hard. Let's just, let, yeah. it doesn't matter about the culture. Let's just focus on the work. If you are that style of person and that's the style of the company that, uh, you know, that uh, enforces that behavior, you'll, you'll probably go pretty far. But if, you know, if you're like a, a laid back manager and you're just like, no, things will get done when they get done. I'm not in any rush. You're not going to move up that ladder. There has to be a match between your personality and the corporate culture. If there's no match, you probably won't be moving up that Boom, way. saying it how it is. Let's tell the truth. We don't care about, it's just the truth. That's the straight up truth. I mean, let's look at it this way. You know, I am a, I'm a minority individual mm-hmm. uh, and I have had plenty of minority struggles climbing up my career ladder. Okay. I can, honest, I can honestly tell you that I've had it so many different ways as to uh, discrimination. Yeah. I've had uh, white people discriminate against me. I've had black people discriminate against me. I've even had other Asian people discriminate against me because I was Asian. And you didn't- it's <laughs> very weird because uh, when it comes to business, people don't measure you just on your skills alone. Nope. They measure you based off of how well they think you'll get along with the team. Not how much mm-hmm. money you're going to make them. Not, mm-hmm. not uh, how reliable you are. Not how good you are at your job. Mm-hmm. It's all about Whether or not they will like you. (laughs) So true. So true, man. Telling the truth. I, 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 so there's, in other words, if you work for like an old white, good old boys network company, like you better be like a, a young, soon to be, maybe someday, good old boy. Yeah. It's just, I've seen that. I've seen that. Um, That's why I got out of the corporate world. I got out of the corporate world. I hated it. I hated bureaucracy and that stuff. That's why it's, and I saw it firsthand. I seen some of the worst and we we all have. And I don't know why people, it's not, it's not like this. When you see a breakout on the news, like breaking, like, you know, this company, like really like, come on, like 
We've seen that for years. Like you should have seen the, they should have done a reality show on telecom when I was in the telecom world. That was a joke. Just go to the, go to Vegas right now, go to Las Vegas right now to the expo, walk around, take a camera, hidden camera, go after hours, see everything that goes on, get all the whispering conversations, get everything. You'll be blown away. Yeah. the, The key to success is not just about yourself, right? It's, it's about how you as an individual, uh, fit the team. And it doesn't matter how much experience you have. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how good your critical thinking skills are. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, I worked for this company and I saved them over a million dollars in operating costs. Sure. Right? I, I didn't get a bonus. I didn't get a pay raise. I didn't even get a job title bump. Like, I saved them a million dollars. I have evidence to prove that. Yeah. And they did nothing for me, right? Good job. Uh, I worked, I worked keep for another job. company. <laughs> yeah, I worked for another company where I gave them a perpetual cost-saving solution. Uh-huh. Like the, the longer the company ran, the more money they would save, right? Uh-huh. Again, same thing. No promotion, no pay raise, no nothing. Mm. Because uh, they, they put you into this little box and they say, this is all uh, uh, we expect out of you. And if they, if they have no career aspirations for you, you, you get no career aspirations. As an IT individual, you have to drive your own career success. You have to build these into your job description. You have to go reaching for these opportunities yourself, which is why you see a lot of people jumping jobs all the time. It's because no one cares about IT people. It's because they're human. They don't believe IT people are human. (laughs) Well, no, 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 no. Let me ask you this. Do you know who John Danaher is? Okay. So I was, I was like sitting down with a friend last night and my, uh, my jujitsu coach, um, like basically was like, you know, trained next to him for years. Right. He's always laughing, laughing because everything, everything Dana Harris says is like, he can just say something. It could be the most simplest thing, but everyone just like their jaw drops because he's the words he uses. I'm like, you know, if you put your hand here, it'll be catastrophic, you know, and like, you know, but, and, it, and it's just the way that he describes it. But he basically, I was listening to his metaphor the other night. He's like, humans are like really good survival beings. You know, like they're really good at, sure. you know, and I don't know why I thought of that, but something along the lines of what you just said, I just had a, my brain just dumped, but, uh, you know, I had something, you know, basically you say they jump, jump from job to job, but, um, yeah, they have a way of, uh, I don't know, morphing and surviving, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of have to to uh, to keep with the change in times. I mean, one thing that IT people understand very well is change happens all the time. Uh-huh. And if they want to succeed, or if they want you know to to make rent, or if they want to make more money than the next guy, they have to change. Uh, there there are some people who have this false uh, belief that uh, job safety or um, <laughs> Uh, job security uh, yeah. is the be all end all of the, the no career. such thing. And no it, there is thing. no such thing as job security, nope. which is why it, per- it perplexes me why so many IT people love to hold on to knowledge. Mm-hmm. In, in the long run, yeah, you screw the company over a little bit when you leave because you take that tribal knowledge with you. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, your blip of time with them doesn't matter to them because they will move on from you and they will continue to... to Every, and you hear the common corporate phrase, everyone's replaceable. Right. So in, instead of living this life where you're constantly putting yourself into a pigeonhole, mm-hmm. why not go the other way? Why not 
be the best at your job and, and, you know, have evidence with you wherever you go. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, you know, the company before I showed up didn't do any documentation. I'm going to own that. I'm going to do all the documentation in the world so that when I leave, the company won't even know that I was there. And that gives me value because I can go to the next company and say, when I left, the company was still running because I left it in such a good condition. Don't you want that in your company? (laughs) That's awesome, man. It should be like a recruiting show too. How do you recruit guys? Um, I love that. uh, Go. uh, I would not say that I'm a typical IT person. I have very desperate views from what a traditional IT person would feel um, about the the whole IT industry. Like uh, a lot of people may feel like, oh, you know, uh, just put your nose to the grind. It is what it is. Just accept things how they are and uh, we'll get through this. And then eventually we won't even be here so we can move on to the next thing. No, I, I think that's a miserable way to live. I think it that, is. It's a horrible uh, existence. I think that yeah, you know, you you were brought in to do a thing for a company. Why not strive to do it the best that the company has ever seen? The the company may not appreciate you, but the self fulfillment, the idea that you're growing, and then you have these new skills you can take to the next company. I think that that's worthwhile. Because like yeah, sure. Uh, you know, they only let me play in their server environments. I learned, you know, Windows Server 2008 for like six months and then nothing else. Okay, well, in that time, you could have also learned some good ITLL practices. You could have learned uh, how to set up web servers, file servers, Active Directory. You could have asked questions about how projects work to get an understanding of that. You could have learned about processes and procedures from all your neighboring uh, cohorts. Like, IT can't do their job unless they understand how people do their job. So, Learn that and then take that with you to the next job. How do you oh, not... You know, this IT guy that we looked at, uh-huh. uh, he doesn't just know uh, Word. He knows how to build macros. He knows how to do VBA. Hmm. So that sounds like an answer to how to not hate, how to not hate life at work. <laughs> no, I'm serious, but how, uh, how to not hate life at work. But how about how to not hate life at work and still have free time to have fun outside of work? Like, how do you answer that second part? So, uh, I think that... um, AKA work-life balance. (laughs) There used to be this uh, idea that your job is your second life and the friends, the family that you you make uh, along the way at the job is what keeps you going. And that's not true anymore. Uh, I think (laughs) that... Your job is your life. (laughs) Uh, I think that way back in the day, like the 50s and 60s, that was true when companies cared about, uh-huh. you know, loyalty. Uh-huh. But companies don't care about loyalty now. They, they, they don't try to retain staff. They, they try to like beat other companies to getting the, the cheapest, mm. best talent. But they're not giving you training programs. They're not educating you they're not looking what about netflix what about their strategy where they hired like you know let's just let's just multiply the salary by four and (laughs) hire the best people uh so that i have some insight on uh so that was uh the, the whole netflix situation is unique because uh that actually came about because of the infighting between the the big four 
in the Silicon Valley area. So uh, Facebook employees would leave and they would go to Microsoft and uh, they would leave Microsoft and they mm-hmm. would go to Google and they would leave Google and they would go to Apple. Mm-hmm. And every time they left, they made a, a significant pay bump, right? And Netflix just came in and said, you know what? We're not going to play this game. We're just going to give them a lot of money and they're either going to stay or they're not going to stay and we're not going to fight for it. So you like it or you don't. Well, you couldn't like it. They all worked like way more. <laughs> I mean, like, how could you like it other than the money, I guess? Greed. I mean, I, so like, yeah, Netflix pays a lot, but they also, they have high expectations for the employees. And I think that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. The, the whole, like all the other companies, you know, I, I, I was at the Google facility. I saw uh, four of their facilities uh, when I worked uh, for a previous uh, company. Are you talking Every data centers or out, like? Yeah, they they would invite me to their um, their offices and they would mm-hmm. give me tours because yeah. you know they wanted me to buy some of their solutions. Mm-hmm. And every time I went out there, I saw a different building. Yeah, you know the the culture looks nice, but it's miserable. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's you no. Can look uh, at some of these people. Let me ask the question like, this way: drones. What? Yeah, yeah. Other than being like, a, yeah, exactly, like a drone, yeah, robot, whatever. What? What is your End game. What's your reason for living? So uh, I I work hard at what I do uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's it's a self fulfilling thing. I like knowing that I'm doing the best that I can, mm-hmm. and nobody can take that away from me. Yeah. Uh, the the second thing is, I make decent money. My my friends tell me I make chai money, and when you <laughs> make chai money, you can do things that most people can't. Uh-huh. So. Uh, do I go on vacation regularly? Sure. Do I What's regularly? enjoy extreme sports? Uh, well, pre-pandemic, I used to go on a trip every three months. What's uh, extreme sports? Uh, skydiving, scuba diving. Love it. Uh, rock climbing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm way out of shape for a lot of those things now, but uh, in my heyday, you know, I was constantly spending money. And mm-hmm. that's that's the joy of life. It's, it's enjoying these things, getting experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, money, so everybody knows the old adage, uh, money doesn't buy happiness. Well, they're wrong. Money <laughs> definitely makes happiness an easier way. Hey, look, anyone that's watched Boiler happens. Room, anyone that's watched Boiler Room knows that's not true, okay? <laughs> look at the smile on my face. <laughs> like, you, you you, can't say, you know, the, the guy that's making a billion dollars a year isn't happy. The guy that's making a billion dollars is definitely very happy. Yeah, he he gets to travel. There's he plenty of billionaires though that, that kill themselves. There's plenty of guys that kill themselves. There's plenty of millionaires that kill themselves every day. There's plenty of mid. Yeah. the The highest suicide rate is like middle aged white men, um, in their forties, and they blow their brains out every day. Yeah, and, but most of those people are like, they're they they. They put themselves in those situations because they feel like they're jailed by their jailed by their wife or you know something like that, and they got you know they feel stuck and like they never whatever you know. There's a lot. You'd have to go read the Rational Mail and really like kind of deconstruct. I'm not saying I'm a a, I'm not saying I'm a psychology expert, and I'm not saying I Mm -hmm. I know the ins and outs of why people convince money matters. But but I can tell you, money matters to to the people who don't have money. Money matters. I I think someday though, and money matters. It, it, but to a certain degree, also, it doesn't. There will be a day where, you know, like if everyone had a million dollars in the world and everyone had billions in the world, no one had to worry about money. You know what I mean? We'd look at this thing and like, be like, we killed for this. People kill for it. 
There was a film in the 80s and it was in theaters for like three years. It was called uh, The Gods Must Be Crazy. It was a South African film. Yeah, with the Coke bottle. Yeah. (laughs) So in this this movie, and this mirrors uh, real life uh, to some degree. Uh, In this movie, uh, this tribe uh, had no money, so they had no crime, right? So... Uh, they they were living life uh, blissfully unaware of what money was. So they they hunted for their food. They lived close to their family. Their their currency was social interaction. And as soon as this concept of wealth uh, or the the concept of having something that other people don't dropped in their lap, you know, violence ensued. Sure, it's a movie, but it it mirrors real world. Like that's exactly what happened when the the Westerners invaded. Uh, the the Americas. I mean, the the natives. Hey, read, they were happy. <laughs> just read Trail of Tears. Read Trail of Tears. <laughs> no, it's a great book. You read Trail of Tears, and, and I mean, it really, like, from a good historical standpoint. Yeah, as you start yeah. trading things and stuff, and people get yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And I understand that I'm a hypocrite when, when I say things like this because yes, uh, capitalism is terrible to some degree. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a communist and I'm not saying I'm a pure capitalist, but capitalism has a lot to be desired, particularly when it comes to the overall index of, of uh, people health and people happiness, right? Uh, capitalism survives by taking advantage of other people's belongings or people's uh, capabilities. And communism survives by distributing uh, ownership of uh, of wealth. Uh, so, to some degree, at every extreme, no one's going to be happy. But in somewhere in the middle, you have people who can make significantly more than they need, who are willing to share with people who can't, and people are happy with it. And I think that you know, w- uh, way back in the good old days, where where money was not as as a critical forefront feature in people's daily lives, I think that it was a simpler time. Yeah, they didn't have running water or bathrooms and stuff like that, but mm. uh, they they also didn't have, you know, people uh, bankrupting the entire world market because a billionaire wanted to make a penny more per stock share. I definitely have my personal beliefs on this, and I'm not making any political comments on this show. <laughs> This is, this is why I'm I, uh, this is why I, I'm a hypocrite when it comes to this. <laughs> I, I I want people to I want people to have more, but I also want me to have just a little bit more. <laughs> the um, as they say, you give the son of Adam a valley of gold, he will ask for another. Yeah. You are up to nine sticky notes right now. I just want to let you know, you're up to nine (laughs) yellow sticky notes of me taking bullet points on here. And uh, I loved that you said, did you say 30% of leaders have no leadership? You know, there's just some guy off the street. We're fine, you know. Just a responsible person. Yeah, I'd have to find the study, but uh, like 30% of random people do a better job than people who are formally trained as leaders. You have an about section on LinkedIn that's just... I mean, I don't even need to read the skills, information security. Maybe. Uh, we'll see. I <laughs> know. <laughs> um, all you need to have is master of multiple hats, captor of orphaned responsibilities, a.k.a. the hand dryer in the bathroom. You got a ticket. 
into IT to fix that. Let's see, data-driven decision maker. That's probably like one of the most important things. The question is, is where do we get the data and how did they enter it? Um, mitigator of risks. Yes, until something doesn't get mitigated. And enforcer <laughs> of compliance. That I like, enforcer of compliance. Um, <laughs> I can say don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Remember, uh, what was that? Uh, Conan the Librarian? Remember that? Yeah. Was that? Yeah. Okay. Most people, I don't know if ever, you have to have like enough uh, kind of like whatever that pop culture to like from the, you know, 90s to understand this stuff. Um, how old are you, by the way? Am I allowed to answer that? Ask that? I already talked about Botox, so I've been pretty open here. Okay. So I think uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm approaching 40. Okay, so you didn't you didn't live through the age of my so you grew up at least you know close to the internet, close to the yeah. Internet. I mean, I, I I experienced a time before the internet was uh, large. I I was around when dial up was the primary mode of internet access. Yep. Um, and you know, I I bought my first computer when I was fourteen uh-huh. uh, with cash that I made washing dishes for my uncle. Boom. Um, In a restaurant, I'm assuming. Yeah, <laughs> no, my dishwasher. Uh, my first, my first job was dishwasher. My first job was yeah. dishwasher. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I made my up uh, my way up, right? I I went from dishwasher to busboy, and eventually busboy to waiter. Yep. Uh, but but we're talking about like through my teenage years working at, at a variety of things. I mean, I was a part of the whole uh, uh, pyramid scheme way back in the day for uh, direct marketing uh, by accident. I didn't realize it was pyramid scheme. But I got in and out. I learned my lesson. What company of this? Uh, what pyramid scheme? Uh, so in the, the in the early two <laughs> thousand vector, and still today, like very similar to vector marketing. Uh, <laughs> That's not a pyramid knives. scheme. That's Cutco. <laughs> I love my knives. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. I, you know, the, so if if my life was a little bit different, I would be a salesperson right now, and I would be making so much money. Uh, uh, but I can make that happen for you. Let me get this. <laughs> I, so the the reason why I'm not a salesperson yep. is because uh, when I worked for this uh, pyramid scheme, yep. uh, selling uh, uh, commissioned items and random commissioned items, are they still around? Yeah. Are they? For, you're you're being very shady on this one. So they must still be in business. <laughs> I have no idea. They they were a huge company. They they. It was a, a Canadian-based company. Do you know uh, why pyramid schemes the- are terrible? Pyramid schemes are terrible because they sell the opportunity, not the yeah. product. They right. sell the opportunity, which is a total, a total scam. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, I was a salesperson uh, for this company, and we yeah. did uh, direct sales. Uh, we were basically solicitors. We would go to businesses and we would sell our products to the people at the counters or whoever. How dare you say hats, solicitor? Right? How dare yeah. you? Solicitor? <laughs> I'm Me soliciting? What, you look around like, I'm sorry, so there's no yeah. soliciting. Me? No, I'm just and, trying to find the most professional I, way to talk with whoever the business <laughs> owner is. <laughs> and I, uh, I remember we had these broken toys <laughs> in the warehouse that they wanted to get rid of. And because... You know, if you if the owner of the company couldn't sell it, they they had to eat the cost. So they made us sell these broken toys. Oh my god! And I remember this. I, this is my low point. That's terrible. I re, I remember taking these broken toys and going out to the street and selling them to kids. <laughs> you scumbag! 
<laughs> no. I made my money, and when I got back to the warehouse, I turned in. I turned in my duffel bag, and I said, "I'm done. This is ridiculous. This is not. This is not the life for me." If if being a good salesman is being able to sell no. whatever to people who don't need it, I don't no. want to be that. Person. No, you're not. That is absolutely not what a salesperson is. And shame on them. <laughs> and like seriously, I hope they whoever that guy is, wherever he is, I hope he experiences the most miserable life. I hope he experiences yeah. the most miserable existence ever. You are a salesperson. Uh, Zig Ziglar read this thing a long time ago. Like I'm proud to be a salesman because I, more than anybody else, built this country. Because the the airplane, like you know, when it gets to the market, the farmers' beans when it gets to the market, like salespeople built America. Right? Nothing happens until someone makes a sale. That doesn't mean you have to be a scam artist. Those aren't salespeople. They're not sales professionals. Right? Real sales professionals right. help you solve a problem. And that is exactly what you do. You're just an IT salesperson. You just don't know it. You're a critical thinker. That's what a salesperson is. A doctor's a salesperson. All these people are. They have to ask the right questions. They have to discover what the issue is, the real issue is, and then they have to critical think and come up with a solution to that problem. And then they have to sell that problem for the betterment of all of society in order to save the world and keep the wheels of economy turning. Um, well, that's that's a very that, that's a very kind way to put it. But we we also know that there are salespeople. They're con artists. Yeah. Like uh, the whole opioid epidemic, for example. I mean, you had tons of salespeople there who weren't living by that mantra. <laughs> I mean, some people knew better. I mean, again, that's that human. That that's Tank the. Hall was in. It was based off a true story with the, with the whole. Uh, it's going back to the human condition, though. That's, that's like, that's like 80% of mankind is driven by their desires, right? Sure. So, yeah. 80% of the salespeople out there are going to be like scheming, cheating, stealing, whatever it is to try and fulfill their desires. But the top 5%, the top 20, top 5% of the people, the cream rises to the top. Um, well, it's the same with good IT directors. It's the same with the doctors. It's the same with every, you know, I mean, it's like just, he's a good person. He's not a good person. It's the same thing. Um, well, we would like to hope that, you know, the, the right people who deserve the jobs are getting promoted. But, as well, you have a very good. You have a good way of interviewing people, right? <laughs> you have a good way of interviewing people, and you should do the same thing when you interview a vendor. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, the my vendor validation process is much more complex. Let's I, see if they I pick up the phone. I can hold them against. You know, it's like, well, they don't answer the phone, so. <laughs> I, I mean, so of all the vendors that I've used uh, over the last yeah. uh, even 15 years, yeah. uh, I would say that every time I moved uh, companies, I always went back to this one vendor. And this uh, my current position is the only exception to the rule because the vendor was based out of Michigan. And the reason why I kept going back to them was because anytime I needed to get a hold of the sales guy, I could call him on the phone. And uh, this guy was great. Anytime I had a problem with the product, if I wasn't getting support on the product, I would call this guy. He would get someone on the horn and we would talk it out. And even if he didn't own the product, he would go out of his way to make sure that I had somebody uh, technical that I could talk to to resolve my problems. Boom. Even when I couldn't even get the salespeople of the product itself. Mm -hmm. Like if I had a problem with a Cisco product and I couldn't get a Cisco mm -hmm. sales guy on the phone, yep. I would talk to this other guy and he would get the right people on the phone call. Absolutely. And he wasn't a CDW sales guy. He wasn't uh, one of those micro age sales guys. He wasn't even one of those Ingram micro sales guys. He's just a he good just guy. 
the he was smart a good guy that had new yeah, people and- that could get people on the back end. He he knew all the people on the back end. He knew the secret story. He knew that every company sucked. He knew that how to navigate the system of crap. He knew that you were calling into a bunch of butts in the seat that get paid an hourly wage. And he got paid more than that. So he helped you get around it to the VP. And he cared about you as a person. And he wanted to yeah. make sure that he was giving you the best possible support at the best possible price in the fastest way possible. Because he knows that if he can do that, he's better than everyone else. Yeah. And all that drills down to is good customer service, right? Making sure that we are open and honest. But how often do people, that's such a, that's how often do people say that? We're about yeah. customer service. That's all we're about. Um, I know a company um, that if anyone just searches a little bit and like says, like they've literally um, copyrighted the term, I believe, amazing service. I'll let you guys, <laughs> I'll let you guys decide whether they provide amazing service or not. But they've literally, they they went and like trademarked the term amazing service. <laughs> And we're all How about customers. Get away with that. It they did. Me of when Kim Kardashian tried to trademark kimono. Hey, <laughs> it's done. Um, so, anyways, if you had one final message to um, deliver to people out there listening, what would it be? Uh, so, oh, no, let me ask you this. I, no, I'm going to change that. I'm sorry. Scratch that. Sure. We already have amazing things that you've said. Um, I, wanna, I want one. Here's my final question What is your end game? So my end game is uh, really uh, to make sure that uh, by the time I'm ready to stop working, uh, I I have enough uh, security to be able to do whatever I want, and uh, that could be continuing IT. That could be one of the side projects I have going on. Doesn't really matter to me. I could honestly, I could quit tomorrow and uh, start teaching uh, scuba diving courses and I would be fine with that if it wasn't for the fact that I love money. Mm. Scuba diving's fun, man. I love scuba diving. I'm certified. I was certified in sixth grade. <laughs> I know some kids what? from college. No, I had like college kids. Like, we're going to college. I'm like, I had like a four friends in college. Um, it was two guys and two girls. The two guys were like dating the girls or something, like whatever it was. This is sure. college, right? And they were like getting a major, like going to college like everybody else to go work in the world, right? And after seniors, they're like, nah, screw this. They're all master, like master divers. What's the ty- highest you can get? The uh, highest dive, dive, you know, it's like master diver or something, right? You know, like you've like just so many hours of diving. They dove, they did this a ton. They just quit and like went to like the Bahamas and like made a scuba diving club, like, club. That's it. They're like, nah, yeah. screw it. We don't yeah. need a college education. This is what we're doing. Bye. Yeah. yeah th- there's some allure to that. The whole being aloof style of living that, you know, if I, if it gets the old industry to me. pissed me off enough, yes, I, I might consider dropping everything and uh, just doing something mundane for the rest yeah. of my life. Because it, it, at the end of it, you know, I, I want to be happy on my way out the door. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be miserable on my way out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the truth to my COVID, to my season three of dissecting popular IT news starting starting up and why there was a big gap was my mom. Um, my mom passed away in January and I was helping take care of her while she had like, you know, like towards the end of her life. But I moved to the ocean and basically surfed for like eight months, eight to 10 months, like every day at three o'clock. It was like, uh, what do you want to do? Let's take the kids to the beach. Let's go surfing. Surfing with my son every day. 
not every day, but a lot, a lot. And like, it got old. Like, I don't see how people do it. Like the four hour work week is a thing. It's totally yeah. doable. I've seen tons of people do it. But um, if there's not something really meaningful and you don't have a reason, like a goal in place for what you're doing, I don't think it would really work. Like if you were just doing it for like pleasure and fun pastime, like I think it would get old real quick and you, your life would like deteriorate. Kind of like when people retire and they just die and their health goes downhill real quick. Anywho, yeah. um, it has That's been, tough. it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. This is, this is one of the best shows I've ever done. Um, <laughs> and I love that it started out with, um, you know, holding people accountable. That's, uh, it's outstanding. I worked for in retail for years and that's all it was, was about accountability and being miserable. So, uh, thank you very much, sir. Yeah, Phil, thank you very much for the invite. I appreciate the time. <laughs>